Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that nobody needs to live with chronic insomnia and that cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI techniques, can help you enjoy better sleep for the rest of your life. Dr. Steve Ormer is a clinical psychologist and specialist in the treatment of insomnia and anxiety. He's the author of the book Stop Worrying and Go to Sleep, How to Put Insomnia to Bed for Good. And he provides online treatment for insomnia and anxiety. Steve works with clients at every stage from college students to new moms, entrepreneurs, top CEOs and beyond. Everything he teaches his clients from stress management to conquering insomnia, he's studied, experimented and tested on himself. He's also been featured in the media in Entrepreneur Magazine, The Huffington Post, Women's Health and Forbes. In this episode, we talk about how Steve got through his own insomnia using cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI techniques, and the common challenges people face when implementing CBTI techniques. The fact of the matter is that in the short term, CBTI techniques can be hard to implement, but if you're committed and consistent, your sleep will improve. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Steve, so thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here, Martin. Thanks for having me on. So let's get started right at the beginning. How did you get interested in the field of sleep and insomnia in particular? Yeah, so the way that I got into it is I had insomnia myself, uh, uh, probably like about six years ago now. Um, I had been a psychologist already for several years, and my specialty was anxiety and stress. And um, I knew very little about about sleep or insomnia because psychologists um, are not receive no training. I, I received zero training in sleep. Mm. In, in, in my six years of graduate training and everything, um, which is also pretty common for medical doctors. It's, it's kind of crazy and, and ridiculous. But so um, I got this insomnia and it wasn't going away and it was pretty bad. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I was suffering and I, and I needed to solve this problem. And because I didn't know anything about it, I just started researching it on my own. I read a lot of different books that were out there and just read everything and and just look for the best treatment. Mm -hmm. And I was already familiar with CBT because that's was the primary treatment that I used for anxiety was CBT. And so when I found there was actually a specific treatment for insomnia that used CBT, I was intrigued because I I know it's a, it's a really powerful form of therapy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I found, you know, uh, really a book that I thought was really good. And I kind of modeled it after that book um, because it had a pretty, a pretty good way to follow. And I just put myself through the treatment. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I did it all on my own. Um, it's kind of like me, you know, like I'm very, if, if I have a problem, I'm very motivated and I'll do it. And it was hard. I mean, it's hard to go through the treatment. It took me 
it was three weeks before I got any improvement at all. You know, and I was getting four to five hours of sleep a night, maybe for six days a week. So it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started getting improvement and it, and it, uh, ultimately then it, then it started getting better at that point And I started getting hopeful and, um, and it took, it took about eight weeks full, uh, about eight weeks. And then I was totally cured. And, mm-hmm. and then I was like, wow, you know, and I saw so many clients as be, you know, dealing with anxiety and also seeing a lot of depression. So many clients dealing with sleep problems, but it just never gets addressed. It's like mm-hmm. a side issue. Um, and I saw, you know, there's probably people could be helped with this. And, um, and actually I, that's when I wrote my book. Um, because there were, I found there were some problems with, um, some of the, the books that I read, like they were just overwritten or they had a lot of scientific jargon and I right. wanted to tear it down to like, this is what you need to do. You don't need to know all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and started, you know, and I wrote that and then I started working with my clients specifically with insomnia and that's how I, I got into it. Wow. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really interesting, you know, how you said that you were a psychologist for, I think you said six years and you kind of received no formal sleep training or sleep education. And that does kind of resonate, you know, with um, what I've heard from medical doctors too. They, they've told me, uh, Daniel Erickson, who's now a sleep physician, he told me that during his MD studies, he got one and a half hours of education and training related to sleep. And I find that just absolutely incredible, especially when, especially today, there's so much emphasis on sleep as an important pillar of health. Um, And yet we're giving doctors maybe less than two hours of training in the field of sleep. It's incredible. I I think it's incredible. And it it baffles my mind because, you know, sleep obviously is a fundamental foundational thing that we have to do. I mean, like everybody sleeps, you know, Um, and we sleep not just for like an hour or two, like, you know, most of us sleep for, for several hours Mm -hmm. because we need it for like, it it like affects every system in your body. And, Mm -hmm. and and so, and we know like when we're not getting enough sleep, how we feel, um, it it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. And um, so it, it is amazing that, that, you know, the doctors and psychologists and therapists just don't get that training. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that um, when you were struggling with sleep and insomnia yourself, that you turned to a book. Do you, do you remember what book that was? Yeah, it's, it's Say Goodnight to Insomnia by uh, Greg Jacobs, which is a pretty, I think it's a pretty popular book. Um, and he's a Harvard researcher and clinician mm-hmm. for many years and, and studied, I think he, you know, 10, he had like 10,000 patients or something that he, that he, uh, you know, used CBT on and, mm-hmm. and, uh, had great success. So that's who I, um, learned it from. Yeah. I've had a few people that have worked through that book and I think it can be really helpful in terms of it's like a really structured approach, right? It kind of, yes. it leaves very little room for doubt. It's very kind of regimented. So some people respond really well to that and some people kind of struggle with it. Um, yes. but I, I, I kind of feel it's like a 50-50. It really just depends on more to do with your personality. If you, you're that kind of person that knows you respond well to just having everything laid out for you, I think that book can, can be really helpful for people. But then I've heard from other people who are like, mm, I don't know about this. I, can't, I, I don't really understand the logic behind this. Can we be a little bit more flexible here? And then they kind of start to doubt wh- whether they can implement the techniques and they kind of struggle that way, you know? And I think it's hard to um, do it on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was able to do it, but I also had been a psych- psychologist for several years. I knew a lot about anxiety. I knew a lot about just 
treatments. Mm. So I had an advantage. Um, and and I'm also very disciplined, you know, Mm. not everyone is, is that disciplined, which is fine. Um, and so it, it is hard to do on your, on your own as well, like just from, from a book. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, one of the reasons I wrote my book was because that I found his approach really helpful, but there was so much detail, mm-hmm. um, particularly with diaries and calculations. And, and, um, and I tried, I try, you know, I tried to create like a little bit more of a simple, a simpler, easier way to do it. So it doesn't create so much stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, you made a really important point there. I think that because you're already familiar with let's just say CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, just in general. So you were kind of more confident, even just from the outset, that there was something behind this, you know, that it could be effective for you. And I think if you don't have that background, it's really important to either if you're reading it from a book or you're working with a coach or a therapist to get that full understanding of the rationale, you know, understanding why these techniques work, because when you first hear them, they can just be so counterintuitive, right? For example, how can allotting less time for sleep give me more sleep? How can getting out of bed when I'm struggling help me sleep? And so it's really important to have that understanding. And sometimes if you don't have this pre-existing confidence in the techniques, because you're already familiar with the logic behind them, then it's, it's just so important to fully understand the rationale behind what you're doing. Yeah. It's a very, um, paradoxical treatment. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, because or counterintuitive because like just the idea of getting out of bed when you're exhausted and you have a limited amount of time to sleep and the bed's really comfortable. Mm -hmm is just, it goes against like your logic even. It's like, why would I get out of the bed if I want to sleep? Wouldn't that wake me up more? Um, isn't that going to waste my time? And, and like paradoxically, when you get out of bed, which is one of the, you know, one of the techniques, um, you end up, most of the time, you'll, you'll get back to sleep faster if you do that than if you stay in the bed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, so you have to help clients wrap their head around that. Um, because otherwise it might be hard for them to comply to that, to that detail because it's, it's hard to do. Absolutely. And I really want to kind of get into this, the, the more challenging side and how, how we help guide people through that um, as, as we talk a little bit more. Um, but first, I just want to talk a little bit more about your insomnia because I find it really interesting because you have this insomnia history as I do. And that's really how we both got interested in sleep and insomnia and discovered these really effective CBTI techniques. So do, do you remember what initially triggered that, that sleep disruption that kind of manifested itself into insomnia? I don't know exactly, but I know that um, like previous to that, like in um, 2010, maybe. So, so like um, maybe five or six years before that, I had a small bout of it and what caused it was on the night I had to take two licensing exams to, to, to become a psychologist. Mm. Um, and on the night before both of them, I was so worried about not getting enough sleep because I had to go take these exams that paradoxically I didn't sleep that well. Yeah. I only got like three or four hours of sleep. I felt like crap in the morning. Mm. Um, luckily I was able to go and still pass the exams, but, but 
it, it, I did not feel good. And it was because I was worried about not getting enough sleep and being able to function. And that became one of my key worries, which I think is also a very, very common worry with insomnia. Um, and then paradoxically, you're worried about it and you get anxious and then that keeps you up because you're anxious now and then you don't sleep and then you get more anxious and you're mm -hmm. watching the clock and it's just like this downward cycle just starting from that one worry. And I think, I think that was my main worry and I think that was probably, there wasn't any like major stressors going on in my life, which, is, mm -hmm. which sometimes is a trigger. It, I think it was more my worry about, and I was seeing a lot of clients then. I had a, a practice with, uh, I was seeing 10 clients a day sometimes, wow. which was really too many yeah. for me to see, but, but I was seeing a lot. And I think then I was like, really, there was like this pressure for me. I need to get enough sleep mm -hmm. so I can go and perform well. And I think um, I just, I got anxious about it. And, and then that led to, um, I think that led to the, the developing of the, of the insomnia. And I probably engaged, I don't remember, but I'm sure I engaged in then some of the poor sleep behaviors that you shouldn't engage in, but that you do to try to improve your sleep, which then makes your sleep worse. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then it just turned into full-blown insomnia. Yeah. I, I, the reason I like to ask people about, about how their insomnia develops is because I think pretty much everyone listening can identify with the story, you know, because insomnia is quite predictable. You know, it follows this quite well-trodden path in terms of there's often this identifiable factor or issue, this life stress or a one-off event that kind of just triggers this short-term sleep disruption, what would normally be short-term sleep disruption, and that's quite normal. Um, but the problem can then be is when that issue is no longer relevant, the sleep issues can stick around. And often it's related to things like worrying about sleep. You know, we suddenly start to worry and think about sleep when it was something we never used to think about or give any attention to. And that kind of just kicks the arousal system in and just immediately makes sleep more difficult. And this can then prompt us to do all these behaviors to try and control sleep and improve sleep, like going to bed earlier, staying in bed longer, um, napping during the day, trying to conserve energy, um, all, all these sleep efforts. And that further compounds the problem. And that's when you end up just with this chronic problem which perhaps might have only been an issue for one or two days, but quite naturally we've attempted to get our sleep back on track, but it's our, it's our actual efforts themselves that have perpetuated the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's really like, um, I mean, insomnia in one sense is you, you've, you've taught yourself or trained yourself to not be able to sleep. But the thing is, people aren't doing that deliberately, obviously, they're, they're, they're doing, you know, they're not sleeping well, like they have that initial trigger, like you were saying. And that could be a lot of different things. And then, you know, in response to that, and it might have just been normal to not have a, you know, to have a few bad nights of sleep because of that trigger. Mm -hmm. um, but then in response to that, the reaction is, you know, oh, oh, my God, I, I'm not sleeping, there's something wrong here. So mm -hmm. there's a an anxious reaction to the fact that you're not sleeping. And then, then the, the thought is I need to do something. And then, then you mentioned some of the behaviors like sleeping in, or maybe I'm going to take a medication or, or um, I'm going to take naps during the day. And then that makes the sleep worse, which then raises the anxiety. Mm. And then they want to do, do more to try to help the sleep. So it's like the trying to help improve the sleeping, being so focused on the sleep is what messes the sleep up. Yeah. When, 
when they were sleeping okay, like when we're sleeping fine, we're not really thinking about sleep. Yeah. I mean, we're just like, it's time to go to bed. You get in and, and you go to sleep because you're just, there's just the, an assurance that you're going to sleep. Yeah. And I think you made a really important point that it's so important that we don't blame ourselves for implementing these behaviors and putting effort into sleep, you know, because it's quite natural. And just from our own experience in life, we've learned that the more, generally speaking, the more effort we put into something, the more likely we are to get the outcome we're looking for. You know, so if we study harder, we're more likely to get that degree. If we work harder at work and meet our deadlines and take on extra work, then we're more likely to get that promotion. So it's quite natural that as soon as we struggle with sleep, we want to put more effort into fixing that issue and put in more effort into sleep. But with sleep, it completely backfires, right? As soon as we put that effort in, it actually makes sleep more difficult. And this can really become a problem then because we're so used to expending effort to get a desired outcome that when it doesn't work, it just leads to even more worry that something is seriously wrong with us and our sleep. Yeah. And I think that's the frustrating thing about insomnia for yeah. people is like they're trying to do all these things to help their sleep. Like it's not that they're trying to mess their sleep up, but they're, they're trying to improve it. And then the more they try to improve it, the, more, the worse it gets because usually the things they're trying are the wrong things. And, and I don't blame them because they don't know what to do. Just mm -hmm. like I didn't know what to do. Right. And then you go online or you talk to your doctor and they're giving you, and you get bad advice there and you try that out yeah. and that doesn't work. And then you get more frustrated and then you get hopeless and it, and, and it just, it gets you into this really bad state. So I have a lot of empathy for, for people that are going through that. 100%, you know, and I think that that is often one of the big problems I have with sleep hygiene as well is that's often the first thing that people with insomnia are told about. But we know that sleep hygiene isn't an effective treatment for chronic insomnia. You know, people in research studies, they put the control group or the no intervention group, they give <laughs> them sleep, sleep hygiene, hygiene because we know it doesn't work. But yet, so often people with chronic insomnia are given sleep hygiene advice and then when it doesn't work, which is to be expected, it just leads to more worry that something is really seriously wrong. Yeah, in, in that, right, sleep hygiene, no matter what, you go online and you, you Google, you know, overcome insomnia and there'll be a, just a zillion articles, most of them on some form of, of sleep hygiene. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've even been, uh, you know, on sleep doctors, like physicians who specialize in sleep. Um, and on their site is just, here's ways that you can improve your sleep and, and it'll be the sleep hygiene. Yeah. Um, and that baffles me because, um, you know, it, it doesn't really, if you have insomnia, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't work. It's not right. enough by that time. Yeah. Exactly. And your key word was by that time. I think that was the key phrase yes. there because <laughs> sleep hygiene can be helpful as a preventative measure. So for example, if you're already sleeping pretty well, um, maybe you could just follow these guidelines kind of like, you know, I always use this analogy. I got it from Michael Schwartz who I had on the podcast. Uh, I think it was one of the earlier episodes, three or four, and he kind of likens it to dental hygiene. You know, it's like brushing your teeth. So we brush our teeth so we don't get a cavity, just like we can implement sleep hygiene so that it minimizes sleep disruption. But once we get that cavity, no amount of brushing our teeth is going to get rid of that cavity. So likewise, as soon as we've developed 
chronic insomnia, no amount of sleep hygiene is going to get to the root of that problem. So that's when we need to look elsewhere. And really, the best thing to do is to implement these cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI techniques. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good analogy, the dental hygiene. It's, it's like, um, you know, the, the sleep hygiene is, is actually part of CBTI, but it's kind of like the least important right. last thing that you do mm-hmm. as just like um, this, this is like extra things you can do to just to make your sleep more solid, but it's, it's not the core of it. It's just one tiny piece that's the least important. Um, but it's stuff that's important to do. I mean, it's stuff that, that, that is good to do, um, and it will help, but it won't once, once the insomnia is set in, it's not on its own going to, going to, um, be effective. Yeah, I completely agree. So I just want to step back a little bit. Something that you mentioned earlier when we were talking about, you know, all the things that we do when we have insomnia and a bid to improve our sleep, but can actually make the problem worse. Um, I touched on a couple of them. What kind of things in your experience do you find that are kind of the, the, the biggest problems or, you know, the things that people are more likely to do in a bid to improve their sleep, but actually can end up making the insomnia worse? Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned a bunch of them earlier, um, sleeping in, so, uh, which is pretty common for a lot of people, usually on the weekends, because usually people can't, if you have a job, it's hard to sleep in during the week. So then people will like kind of binge sleep on the weekend. And the reason that's a problem is um, then when it comes to Sunday night, you have a hard time falling asleep. And the reason for that is you haven't been awake long enough. Like there's a a concept in CBTI called prior wakefulness, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the longer you're awake, the the more pressure builds to sleep um, because there's a neurotransmitter called adenosine that's released the longer you're awake. So if you, the later you wake up, the less pressure there is when you go to sleep at night. And so if you get up later on the weekends, then come Sunday night, when you go to bed to, to get up for work Monday morning, you're not going to be tired when you get into bed at your normal time. You would need to wait another two, three hours because you've pushed your body clock ahead. And then so, so things like that, um, I think taking naps, because again, it's taking away that pressure. I mean, naps sometimes can be okay done in a certain way, um, in a certain context, but, you know, it, but usually those things are going to uh, take pressure away as well. So then it's, it's going to be hard to sleep at night. I think medication is a big one. I mean, not everyone takes medication and, and I include in this, not just prescription medication over, over the counter herbals. Um, any of those things are gonna, are gonna mess with your sleep. Number one, they, they, particularly the medication, alcohol is another one that people use for sleep, mm-hmm. um, is they mess with your sleep cycle. So they're going to mess with your sleep quality. They're going to block you know, REM sleep or deep sleep. And then I think another uh, huge factor with those is the psychological dependence outside of the physical is the belief that I have to take something to sleep yeah. and that I don't have the power within me to sleep. So then what that does is it raises anxiety around sleep. And that is something that, you know, can make insomnia or or set insomnia in is that uh, sleep worry or sleep anxiety. 
Yeah, and that can be a real problem with, uh, I, I see it a lot, I'm sure you do too, especially with supplements and all these over-the-counter so-called remedies. Um, anytime that we think that a something external is generating sleep for us, anytime we have that belief, it's a problem because we just miss that opportunity to regain confidence in our own natural ability to sleep. And anytime we sleep, we can just easily believe that it was because of that pill or that supplement. And so I find it quite ironic because uh, you see people that take the pill, take a pill or a supplement and then they sleep. They say, oh, I only slept because of that pill. And then if they take the pill or the supplement and they don't sleep, they blame themselves for it. They don't recognize <laughs> that it's right. evidence that the pill or the supplement isn't working. So you're just trapped in this cycle of looking for something that's going to work to generate sleep um, instead of focusing attention on implementing techniques that can help you actually regain trust in your own natural ability to sleep. Yeah. What I'll take, tell clients sometimes is that um, overcoming insomnia is, is basically learning how to become confident mm -hmm. that you're going to be able to sleep or trusting that you're going to sleep and that you don't need anything external yeah. and that you have the ability within you. It's built into your system um, to be able to sleep. And it's more that your sleep's just been pushed off track. And what we need to do is just get it back on track and we can do that naturally and we can do that gradually. And then, um, and then you'll be able to sleep like you were able to sleep before. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you. And I get so many clients when I finish working with them and that's their kind of big revelation at the end is just, having that trust back um, and I think it, it, it can be a long road to regain that confidence and your confidence is naturally going to be quite fragile you know so it's quite typical that in the future if you have that bad night you can immediately worry that somehow your insomnia is returning so then it's important to take a step back and just see was there an identifiable external cause you know maybe i got some bad news had an argument with my spouse or was there something that could explain why my sleep was disrupted that night and often there is and just recognizing that you know and seeing that as the cause of that temporary sleep disruption rather than just immediately worrying that your insomnia has returned can be really helpful yeah and there's a there's a part of the cbd CBTI treatment called relapse prevention, which mm -hmm. is kind of preparing yourself in advance for when you have a poor night of sleep in the future, because you're going to, everybody does, right? right? I mean, no one, no one, because there's, there are things that are out of your control. I mean, there could be noises, you know, mm -hmm. there could be your partner is tossing and turning and, and you're having trouble. There could be something you're excited about. I mean, it could be a positive thing and you can't sleep because you're so excited. And so, the, and so because of that, sometimes our sleep is, is, is going to be disturbed and we're not going to have like a great night of sleep and that's fine. And in learning how to react to that, um, you know, in, mentally, mm -hmm. right. Knowing how to respond, um, in your thinking to when you have a poor night of sleep is one key factor in overcoming the insomnia. Yeah, completely agree. And here, let me ask you this, because this is something that I get asked quite a lot is, if our ultimate goal here is to eliminate all the effort that we're putting into sleep, how does implementing all these CBTI techniques, which require effort, how, how is that helpful at improving our sleep? So great question, because <laughs> that is another counterintuitive thing, right? About, yeah. right. 
Well, it, I think that on tr the track, the, the sort of analogy I was saying earlier, it's like you're, when you have insomnia, your sleep is on a wrong track. It's like, you know, a train is going down and then, and then it, and it gets kind of pushed off the track and it's on this other track that's kind of wobbly and not too good. And, and the thing is, is that at that point you can't just not do anything, hmm. right? You can't just go on an automatic pilot because because your system has been thrown off and you have to get it back on the track. And the way to get it back on the track is through the CBTI technique. So that's, and then once it's back on track, then the sleep goes again without effort. And, and all you need to do is maintain the behaviors. And the thing is, I think the reason that CBTI works so well is it, it's, it's, it's a totally natural treatment that just works with the way your body sleeps. So when you're sleeping well, you're, you're kind of practicing the CBTI techniques in a certain way, meaning, you know, you're, you're generally going to bed when you're tired and you're waking up at a certain time. You're not getting anxious about your sleep. Most of the time you're in bed, you're sleeping, not perfectly, but once, cause once your sleep system is really strong, you can be, you know, more flexible and, and mm -hmm. break the rules a little bit. But so CBTI is a way though to get your, to get your, your sleep system like sort of back on track and working normally. And once that's going, then, then, then you don't have to put that effort in anymore. That's, that's a really good ex explanation. I like to say to people that we really just kind of, it, it's natural that you're going to want to put effort into fixing the problem, right? Um, but what CBTI is all about is directing that effort in a constructive way. So instead of looking to directly put effort into sleep, which is not constructive, we're looking to put effort into helping you set the stage for sleep, to give sleep the best chance possible. So we're putting effort into building sleep drive by reducing the amount of time you allot for sleep. We're putting effort into relearning that the bed is a place for sleep and relaxation, making the bed a strong trigger for sleep. And we do that by putting some effort into getting out of bed when we feel wide awake and wired and anxious. Um, so I think there, there is still definitely effort involved, but with CBTI, it's about just directing it in a constructive way to get you back to that point where you're not putting any effort into sleep whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's a really, a really good way to put it as well. I think, yeah, what I'll say to clients is they'll say, well, if I can't, you know, I can't control my sleep, how do I improve my sleep? And so you're not trying to control your sleep either with CBTI. You're trying to control the conditions that, that set up sleep. So you focus on what conditions do I need to set up in my behaviors and my thinking that will automatically lead to sleep without any effort. So the sleep comes as like, like sleep, you think of sleep as like a result. Good sleep is a result that comes from doing certain things. And when you do those things, sleep will come automatically, easily, effortlessly on most nights. And CBTI is a way to, to set those conditions. I really like the way that you say sleep comes as a result because as I'm sure you know, the, these CBTI techniques, although they're quite straightforward, they can be really challenging to implement and it can take time for you to see the results. Um, you said yourself when you implemented it, you know, you didn't really notice anything for three weeks, but then by eight weeks, you know, things were significantly better. And so it can become really easy to make the focus of your attention over the short term looking for results 
you know, so you can look like from day one, every night from then on, you I'm still only getting four. I only got four hours last night. Then the next night you're worried. I only got three hours. Then the next night, only five hours. And you make all of your attention on the results. Whereas if you make your focus of your attention on the implementation of the techniques, the results will come naturally by themselves and often a lot quicker because you're not specifically and explicitly looking for them. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. And I think the, the biggest challenge is helping clients trust that mm-hmm. process yeah. because, because, you know, like we're saying, it's, it's hard to go through it usually for most people, um, you know, and, and it's, it's hard to go and, and, and apply the techniques. And especially when you're seeing like, well, my sleep isn't getting better. I'm, I'm going through all this pain and I'm putting in all this effort and my sleep isn't even improving and you. And maybe your sleep even gets worse for a little bit, mm-hmm. which could happen. And it's like, you know, um, why aren't, why am, why am I not getting these results? And you have to um, help them trust that even though that's happening, it's going to improve if you can, if they continue sticking with it. And I think that's why the support is so important with it. It's hard to do it on your own is, is, um, is like just the compliance and helping clients to stick with it when they're, when they're, when they're doubting themselves, because once they get over a certain hump and all of a sudden they're like, Oh my God, like they're sleeping better and the numbers are improving and they can see that then that's when they start, you know, getting hopeful and building their confidence. Yeah, completely agree. And that's exactly what I see as well with clients. You know, there's that obviously everyone's different. Some people respond really quickly. Others take longer, but often it's that you get to that period where you almost experience this mini breakthrough, whether, and that's different for everyone. For some people describe it as just feeling sleepy again before going to bed. Mm -hmm. And that's their breakthrough for other people. The breakthrough is, um, sleeping almost entirely through the night for like two or three nights in a row. And it is different for everyone. But as soon as they get that breakthrough, as soon as you get that recognition that all that effort you're putting into these CBTI techniques is actually paying dividends, that kind of really helps you push on um, and see, see it through and just get those long-term results that you're looking for. Yeah, hundred, hundred percent. I mean, I think like, you know, it, the same thing happens in like, let's say you're trying to lose weight and, and let's say you're 50 pounds overweight and it's hard to start exercising. You have to like get up and you have to go to the gym and you're lifting weights and it's hard, it's painful, it's uncomfortable. And you, you're working really hard and two weeks later, you're not seeing any results or maybe you've lost a pound and, and, it, and you get discouraged. But it, I think the expectation is, is the key here, mm-hmm. like with, with CBTI. Like I'm really, you know, which I, I don't even know if it's like it, it's part of a normal CBTI. Um, the treatment is setting expectations. There definitely mm-hmm. is, um, you know, um, um, a module on just your thoughts and, you know, busting myths and things like that. But just in terms of like what you're going to go through, what you can expect, that way, I think it could prevent them from getting discouraged because we talked about already, oh, this is going to be harder. You're going to experience this at this point. Um, because I think that's like one of the most important keys is just people being able to stick with it all the way through. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it is important as well to recognize that 
although I think I said this earlier, although the techniques are quite straightforward, they can be challenging to implement. So it's important to recognize that, you know, before you get started, that it's, it's going to be difficult. There's no two ways about it. It does take a lot of effort to stick to these CBTI techniques. Um, and it's also important to recognize that not, CBTI techniques, like anything, can't guarantee you X number of hours of sleep. You know, so if you're already going into it thinking that your goal is to get, let's say, eight hours of sleep, that could be an unrealistic goal as well, just because very few of us need eight hours of sleep. Everyone has their own individual sleep requirement. So you're, if you're always kind of trying to push to reach this goal that could be completely unattainable for you, that can really make progress difficult too. Yeah, I think that's part of the expectation. And I think um, if, if and, I and I talk about this in the first session, when we talk about the eight hour, you mm -hmm. know, um, the, because a lot of people like I should be getting eight hours and maybe they should, but maybe they shouldn't because yeah. it's different for each person. And what I say is that, um, you know, obviously you're not getting enough sleep because you're tired and you have all these symptoms and you're struggling and you're anxious and all these things. So we know you're not sleeping enough, but we don't know at this point, what is the exact, you know, what's the right amount of sleep for you. Mm -hmm. But once we get your sleep back on track without you even thinking about it or worrying about it, again, you're just going through and doing the conditions and you're doing the things that you need to do to set yourself up for good sleep. And then once that pattern gets normalized and consistent, you will figure out what your normal sleep is because you're, you're setting up the conditions for it. And then you'll get a sense of, Oh, I generally am sleeping consistently seven hours or seven and a half or whatever it is. And I think you touched on a really important point too, where you talked about how people are feeling during the day. And ultimately I think that's the best way of evaluating your sleep in a way is just, if you feel that you've got sufficient energy to get through the day, um, and you start to feel and you're feeling good during the day, generally speaking, then that's often a far better reflection of how well you're sleeping than X number of hours. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that, I mean, and then some people actually can get eight hours of sleep. I've, you know, had clients, they're getting eight hours of sleep mm -hmm. and they don't feel rested the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because um, sometimes the quality of the sleep isn't that good. They're waking up a lot. But also sometimes something else completely different is going on that has nothing to do with the sleep. And, and um, you know, uh, that's another thing that could be happening too is sometimes people put all, all the pressure on their sleep, um, you know, to feel good the next day. And how you feel can, is determined by a lot of different things, not just your sleep. And the sleep is obviously critically important, but it can be affected by other things mm -hmm. as well. But I think generally I agree with you that when you're getting enough consistent sleep, you feel that. You wake up in the morning and you feel like you had a good, especially when you know when you haven't slept well, like you, when you've slept four or five hours, it feels very different than when you get like a really good night's sleep. You feel mm -hmm. radically different energy wise, like your mood feels better, you feel lighter. Um, and I think that's the best, um, definitely one of the best indicators. Yeah. And I think, I think with a, one thing that we also look to address through these CBTI techniques, which you just touched upon as well, is that sleep isn't, doesn't have as strong an influence on the quality of our day as we often think. And especially when we've been struggling with insomnia for so long, it's so easy to attribute 
anything negative that happens during the day to your sleep. And then that further compounds the problem because then you put more, you have more sleep related worry and probably put more effort into sleep. So for example, if, um, if you notice yourself making mistakes at work, you could just immediately blame that on a bad night of sleep where it could be the cause, but it might not be. Um, and if you miss a deadline, you might blame that on a poor night of sleep, you know, and it just becomes so easy to blame everything negative that happens during the day on sleep and just attribute anything negative with sleep. And that can be, that can be an issue too, that I think that CBTI helps address. Yeah, and, and part of CBTI is even um, deals with what are called negative sleep thoughts, um, which is just negative thoughts about your sleep or anxious thoughts and worries about your sleep. And also negative sleep thoughts about after you have a poor night of sleep, how are you responding to that? Obviously, it sucks to have a poor night of sleep. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's an unpleasant experience, but then how you think about it after you wake up will greatly affect how you feel that day. So if you wake up and you think, oh man, I only got four hours of sleep. Um, I'm just gonna feel like shit today. I'm not gonna be able to get anything done. It's gonna be horrible. You're much more likely to, you know, to, to not feel good and for, and for your day to be like that. Then if you wake up and you say, yeah, I, I didn't sleep well. Um, I'm definitely probably gonna be tired today, but I've, I've been through this before. I know I can function fine. Um, you know, I'm going to do my best and I know I'll get through the day and you're not like, you know, you're not sugarcoating it and denying that you had a poor night of sleep. So you're not like saying, I'm going to feel wonderful. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that's true, but it could be something, but just, just shifting it to something more positive and that you're going to be okay can definitely help you feel better and get through that day. It helps you just cope better with, with the insomnia. Yeah. And to, just to use that as an example, sometimes it can be helpful if you have had a bad night of sleep to just recognize that your sleep drive is going to be stronger. So it makes the chance that you'll get a better night of sleep the following night a lot better. But of course, you're not going to be aware of this unless you're learning more about sleep, which is one of these core, like the sleep education side of it is just one of these core components of the CBTI techniques. So you can take comfort in the fact that after a night of very little sleep, your sleep drive is going to be really strong. And that means that it's far more likely that you're going to get a better night on, on the next night, better night of sleep the following night. Yeah. And that, that actually was really helpful for me when I was going through insomnia is when I had a poor night of sleep. Um, yeah. And it was, it was rougher to get through the day for sure. But I would just keep telling myself, just, you know, just get through the day. And I, and I, cause I know that I'm going to be so exhausted tonight that I'm much more likely to sleep better. And a lot of times I did, you know, mm -hmm. I slept better. I slept longer. I slept deeper because I was just really, really exhausted. Yeah. And I, th I think it's also important too, to recognize that we do, we do a lot more self monitoring after a bad night of sleep as well. You know, so if we have a really bad night, we actually, we actually look for the effects of that bad night of sleep. It, it, sometimes even just on this subconscious level, you know, so you can notice like these little niggles, these neck pains, these, this back pains, or you're just always looking for, almost like supportive evidence to support the fact that you had a bad night of sleep and that all these negative effects are happening. How, how, how do you, how do we move away from that? 
I think that, um, yeah, and I think that's related to like the, the, like the, the intense focus on the sleep, mm-hmm. right? Which is part of insomnia, right? We were saying earlier, when you're sleeping fine, you're not thinking about your sleep. You're just, mm-hmm. and paradoxically with insomnia, you become somewhat obsessed, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe not totally obsessed, but you can become very focused. And sometimes you can be obsessed where you're just thinking and worrying about your sleep, um, a lot that then, then you focus a lot more on the effects when you don't have a good night's sleep, like how your body feels, or like you were saying, you're kind of, you become very, um, vigilant about that. Mm-hmm. So how do you move away from that? I mean, that's part of learning how to shift your focus and shift your mind which is part of the treatment. Um, so one is learning, um, it, you know, one thing that we do in the CBTI is we, is we track your negative sleep thoughts. Um, and you write, actually write them down, you know, cause you want to just, instead of having them, you know, just swirl around in your head, you, you take them out and you write those down and you capture them because now you can respond to them and you can say, okay, how can I think about this differently? And, um, and then you think of something that, you know, is a positive sleep thought. Again, something you can believe, but something that just shifts and makes you feel better. So it's learning, partly learning how to shift your mind and think about your sleep. And what you really need to do is like not, is like, you know, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I'll tell clients is you have to kind of become at peace with the fact that you're not sleeping. Again, it's a paradoxical thing. If you're not sleeping, and you're tossing and turning, the more you try to sleep and the more upset you get, the worse your sleep is going to get, even though you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. And what you have to do is kind of give into it. It's kind of like a Zen thing where you have to say, I'm not sleeping. It's just, it's a fact. I accept it. I need to then follow the protocol or whatever it is, get out of bed and then be okay with that. Come to peace with that because it's the fighting against that or the obsessing about it or the worrying about it that makes it worse Mm -hmm. and it's learning that and the only way to like the first step is just to be it's okay i'll be fine even though you know i'm maybe i'll only get four hours of sleep it's the middle of the night it's dark everyone else asleep i'm the only one on earth awake that's not that's what it feels like but i'm gonna be okay i'm gonna read this book i'm gonna enjoy the night i'm gonna i'm gonna relax and you just and then what happens is it starts becoming something that's not as much of a threat. It becomes something that is like, I can, I can deal with this. I can, I, I'm okay. And then once you start take, adopting that kind of, um, let's say, relationship with it, your sleep usually starts improving. Mm-hmm. Because, it's, again, it's paradoxical because now you're more relaxed. Now you're not afraid of it, so you're not getting anxious. So then you're more relaxed. And therefore, you're better able to go to sleep. And, and it's kind of a strange thing. So it's kind of learning the, you know, to be able to not worry and think of so much about your sleep and being okay with the fact you're not sleeping, but knowing that you're doing something that will improve the sleep. Yeah, you know, it, it's so easy to worry and dwell upon the worst possible outcome whenever we're struggling with sleep. And it's so easy too to just ignore any potential positive outcomes or just different ways of looking at, at looking at the thought or the situation. So, for example, before we go to bed, we might just immediately worry that we're going to be up all night. 
And then we just stop and we just dwell on that without actually thinking that maybe there are some alternative outcomes, you know, and in your book, you actually have a really good technique for this. You suggest drawing a pie chart with all these potential outcomes. Uh, can, can you talk us through this a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so the pie chart is like, you know, when it comes to, let's say, insomnia, a lot of times we think the worst. You know, it's called cat catastrophic thinking, right? Holy crap. What if I don't sleep at all tonight? What if, what if I can't sleep anymore? What if I've lost the ability to sleep? Um, and of course those thoughts generate anxiety. So those are the fuel for anxiety and the bigger the worry, the bigger the anxiety. But if, if we're used to like going to the worst case scenario, um, probably what you find if you think about it, it that rarely happens or even when it does happen it's not as bad as you think but a lot of times it doesn't happen and other things happen and so the pie chart um exercise it's very simple easy one to do so if you think of a, of a pie so you just draw a circle and then you draw like one little triangle inside the circle that's like one little piece of pie and you say okay one possibility is my worst case scenario I won't sleep at all tonight. Okay, that, that's a possibility that maybe if that's happened before, that, that could happen. What else could happen tonight? Then you draw another little triangle. Okay, well, I could also maybe sleep four hours. I've done that many times, so let me write that. So you write down, I could sleep four hours. Okay, that's better than no sleep at all, mm -hmm. right? Or I could sleep six hours, and you write that down. Or I could sleep, maybe I have, you know, occasionally I do sleep seven or eight hours. So maybe that's a possibility. But basically, like, it's, it's like you're giving your mind alternatives for what could happen. Yes, it's possible. You're not, like, denying that you might not sleep at all, mm -hmm. right? But you're saying there's these all other possibilities. Yeah. And yeah. then what that does is it, it just takes a little bit of the pressure off because, um, because you know that, that, that it, it's, it's like, it might not be as bad as you think. I think it's a great technique because you're making that conscious effort to explore alternatives because it's so easy. The brain just naturally wants to dwell on what the biggest potential problem might be because it wants to problem solve for you. So unless you take a step back and actually make that conscious effort to think about alternatives or to evaluate that thought that's generating so much worry and anxiety, your brain will just focus on the worst possible outcome. And as, as you said, this just leads to more worry and makes sleep more difficult. So I really like that pie chart just because it, it makes you in, implement a conscious effort to just explore alternatives. And when you do that, it can just take all that power away from that thought that's triggering the worry and anxiety that you're having. Yeah. And I like it because it's a very simple exercise. Mm, you know, you're yeah. not trying to like, convince yourself that your worry isn't true, which, which usually doesn't work. Um, you know, it's it just, it's, it's kind of a gentle technique and very easy to do where you're just giving yourself alternatives and you're saying, well, this could happen too. And that alone then takes the pressure off, you know, just this one possibility and then we'll lower, you know, we'll lower the anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we touched upon this earlier on when we were talking that it's just so easy to give up prematurely when we're implementing these CBTI techniques because they take a lot of effort. Um, sometimes it takes a while for you to get results. There are often 
In fact, I'd say there are usually, and it's to be expected, there are setbacks along the way too. So when you're working with clients um, and they experience setbacks, how do you help them get through that? And I mean, do you have any good examples that you can share with us of perhaps a client that was kind of really struggling with the techniques, maybe experienced a number of setbacks, but they got through it and now they're sleeping a lot better? Yeah. Now, I just finished with a client that I think would be a good example, and she's um, um, late 30s. She's a physician, two young kids, and um, her anxiety or her insomnia was was triggered by the uh, birth of her second child, mm-hmm. which you know which messes up a lot of uh, mothers' sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so she had had this insomnia for like two years, and so with her, she was someone who maybe was sleeping a little over five hours a night on average, um, and you know, it took us, you know, we had gotten to like the six week mark and her sleep hadn't improved that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had an, uh, other, you know, like three or four weeks in, she was losing hope kind of like what we've talked about earlier. Like I'm doing all these techniques. My sleep isn't getting better. I don't know how long I can, I can stand this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really kind of like, you know, like, like losing hope and wanting to give up and wanting to take a medication you know, and, and, and going that route. And mm-hmm. I just, um, so to get her through that, um, and, and this was all through email, because I give um, in between sessions, I provide email support for my clients when they start freaking out like that. Right, you know? yeah. Because, because it's hard to do it on your own and you're all alone. And, and so, they, so she was sending me all these emails. Yeah. And, um, and I basically just, part of it was part pep talk and just saying like, Trust me, these skills, are, the, the techniques are going to work. I know it's hard. I've, I've been through it myself, so I could use my own experience. I empathize with you. But, you know, I, I think one thing I said to her was, you know, you've given birth twice. <laughs> That's nothing compared to, or, or, or getting over this is nothing compared to, like, you know, raising two kids. Mm-hmm. Ba- basically just putting it into, into perspective, you know, and helping her see, like, she's been suffering for this for two years. And the treatment, even though it's hard, it's, you know, generally six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, it's, it's hard. And you go through this, this, you could go through this sort of challenging period. But if you can get through it, your, your insomnia can go away. Mm-hmm. And then you can keep it away, you know, for indefinitely if you, if you, you know, just maintain your sleep. And so I just try to put it in perspective and, and, you know, um, reassure them that it's going to work. I think part of it is they just want to feel confident. They want you to, to, you know, make them feel like this is going to work and um, that they're not like different. Like sometimes people think, well, I just, maybe it works for other people, but it's not going to work for me. Right. Something, something wrong with me. And so, but we worked through it and she was like a star client, you know, like she stuck with the skills really, really well. And then at week, around week six, we started seeing some really good improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from, th- from there forward, from, you know, it just kept getting better and better. And she was, um, you know, she just emailed me from, um, I think it's where it's like, we, we had finished our treatment, but I, but I still track it and she's still applying the techniques um, and, she, and she's doing really well. So. I think she's a good example because hers, hers took, I think nearly six weeks before she saw any significant improvement. And Mm -hmm. you know, that that's hard. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And I've had, I have similar stories like that where a client wouldn't have, hasn't noticed any significant improvements until like seven weeks. And yes. <laughs> it, it's just, I think the people that implement these techniques for seven weeks, you know, without getting the results, but then make that breakthrough, they're kind of astonishing. You know, they're, they're superstars because they put all that effort in. And if they'd have given up at five weeks or six weeks, which would be completely understandable, right? Because they're putting themselves through all this short-term challenge, but they would never have got the results that they're looking for. But because they stuck with it, because they stay committed, I, I just find it quite inspirational. And when, when I see clients transform in this way and they kind of want to credit me with the transformation i'm just the guide you know they're the person that put all the effort in and they're responsible for that transformation and it, i just find it really incredible when people just stay committed because really like what you just described that's really all it takes is just this commitment to the techniques and just trusting they're going to work and as soon as you start to get that like that mini breakthrough soon as you start to notice those improvements, it can really just turn everything on its head and just turn that vicious cycle that we often associate with insomnia, you know, that more worry leading to more disrupted sleep, leading to more worry. And it reduces that worry, which leads to better sleep, which leads to less worry, which leads to better sleep. But it all just kind of stems from waiting patiently for that mini breakthrough to come. Yeah, and I think the key is to, to be able to keep them applying the techniques consistently mm -hmm. and and be able to get through that challenging or rough period even though they're working hard and they're getting out of bed and they're doing all this stuff and they're seeing like I'm, my sleep isn't improving why isn't my sleep improving and it's and 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 just communicating that's normal mm -hmm. like that that's part because like your body's been sleeping a certain way for a long time and you're you're training it to to sleep the way it used to right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're, it's almost like you're setting a new habit and it takes a little time for it to set in. There's like a delay between the application of the techniques and your body responding to it. And, um, you know, they, so they have to stick with it with a little bit of like faith, you know, they're mm -hmm. trusting, they're trusting me and they're trusting themselves, you know, to do it as well. And then when they get that breakthrough, when they start seeing those improvements, that that's like you said, when you, then they start getting that positive feedback and things to start improving on themselves. And that's actually when, a lot of times, you know, when the, the shift in the, in the thinking happens because they're seeing now, oh, my sleep is improving. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize too, that just like it took time for insomnia to develop and just become this really entrenched problem, it's going to take time to unpick it. You know, it's kind of on reflection, it's quite unreasonable for us to think that we've been living, let's say with insomnia for three years and within like a week or two, we're suddenly going to be back to how we were three years ago. It does take time to kind of unpick it. Um, and just recognizing that can help, can just help you, um, what's, the, what's the right phrase? Just help you recognize the importance of being patient and that it is normal that it's going to take time to get your sleep back on track. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense if you think about it, that it would take some time because, um, you know, any behavior or thought pattern that has become a habit, which is what happens with insomnia, um, you know, then, and they get, and it gets to set in just like any other habit. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's some different, there's different components to that habit. And, and so it takes time to like, 
to like interfere with that habit and then set a new habit and then let, and, and make that the new one. It's normal that it takes time for your body to adjust to that. Just like it takes you a little while to learn how to drive a car or learn anything. It's not immediate. And you have to, you have to go in knowing that and knowing that it's not going to be instant, but you know, um, respectively it's, it's pretty fast. You know, if you've been suffering with insomnia yeah. for a year, five years, 10, some people 30, 40 years. Yep. And you can get over that thing in a matter of, you know, a couple of months. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's worth that effort to sustain that effort. Yeah. It's quite incredible really when you put it into perspective like that, because I've had, I've worked with a client that had insomnia for 30 years, three, zero, 30 years, but after eight weeks, sleep is no longer an issue. And that's just incredible. You know, that. That, that 30 years of struggle and just believing that this is something that perhaps I'm going to have to live with forever, eight weeks of commitment and maybe eight weeks of struggle and challenge. But on the out, but after those eight weeks, now insomnia is no longer an issue is, is quite incredible. Yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a phenomenal treatment. And I think, um, I think like we just have to get the word out, you know? Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I think, I think this like a lot of education and just sort of like letting people be aware that this treatment exists. Um, because I think a lot of people would be interested in it if they knew about it. Um, because there's a lot of people who don't even want to take medication or anything like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And tell, tell me if you would agree with this. Well, one of the reasons why I love CBTI techniques so much, and I can just talk about them all day, is just because they're ultimately they're skills-based. So it's something we learn about. And so anytime sleep becomes an issue again in the future, let's say 10 years down the line, something happens to trigger short-term sleep disruption and we struggle to get through it. We just implement the techniques again. We, we're already familiar with them. We know they work. We know all about them. We've learned about them. We just go back and we implement them again and our sleep gets back on track. So it's just like this thing that it's the ultimate long-term answer because it lasts forever. It's with us forever. It's not like now we have to get a new prescription or look for a new supplement or a new pill or put our efforts into all these things with doubt that they're going to work. We've got this skill set that's with us for life. And anytime we need it, we can just implement the techniques. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about the treatment is um, not only will it get rid of your insomnia, but, but then now you have the knowledge and the skills and the tools to maintain your sleep for the rest of your life. And if you run into another, you know, bout of poor sleep, um, you know exactly what to do to prevent it from becoming you know, a problem, you know, a bigger problem and you'd be able to get it back on track and you don't need anyone's help at that point because you've gone through it and you know how to do it yourself. And, um, so that's pretty, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Steve, I've got one last question for you. I've taken a lot of your time and I really appreciate it. So, um, there's this one question that I like to ask at the end of every episode. Um, if someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help and they can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? The first thing I would ask them is, have you tried CBTI? Because I, I hear people over and over again say, I've tried everything and they'll go through a whole list of drugs they've tried or yeah. herbals or meditation or yeah. sleep hygiene and they don't say CBTI. 
And I don't blame them for that. Again, like, you know, as we were saying, like, these people don't know about it. So that would be the first thing because it's, it's really the only actual treatment. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't even consider medication a treatment. It's like a Band-Aid. Um, and it's highly effective. And um, so that would be the first thing that I would ask is, have you been through that? And have you really gone through the whole thing and stuck with it? Because I think um, most people that, that do that will, they'll get some improvement in their sleep, if not full improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. On that note, do you ever get people that um, have confused sleep hygiene with CBTI? Often I get people that say they've tried CBTI and then when they talk, talk through the techniques they've been implementing, I, I don't hear uh, sleep restriction. I don't hear stimulus control, but I do hear things like blackout curtains, white noise machines, things like that. Yeah, I do hear that because I think um, sometimes when you read about it online, the way that the publication, you know, presents CBTI is like as just a, as if it's sleep hygiene or, mm-hmm. or sometimes they'll just mention getting out of bed if you're not sleeping. They, they'll take like bits and pieces of CBTI and then, and then people will read that and think, oh, oh yeah, I've tried all that. So I've done CBTI because um, they don't know that it's this whole sort of, you know, um, you know, treatment that you go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Steve, thanks again. I think we kind of run over our time a little bit. So I really appreciate you t- taking the time out of your day to talk to me um, about insomnia and about CBTI. I think that everyone listening will find it really helpful, especially because you come from that perspective of someone that's gone through it. You know, you, you, you walk the walk, you've implemented the techniques yourself, you know exactly how challenging they can be over the short term, but you know they work because they've worked for you and they've worked for your clients, uh, just as I know it works because it worked for me and it works for my clients. Um, so really, I just want to leave people with this message that these CBTI techniques are overwhelmingly effective for chronic insomnia. And if someone is listening and they haven't tried them, I encourage them to try them. If someone's perhaps tried it in the past but not been successful, is maybe see if you can find someone to work with um, to give the techniques a try again because I really do believe that everyone can be successful to some extent. Most people get great results, but everyone gets some kind of results if they implement these CBTI techniques. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. All right. Thanks again for your time, Steve. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Martin. Thanks a lot. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to implement cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI techniques to improve your sleep, but think you might need some additional support and guidance, I would love to help. There are two ways we can work together. First, you can get my online coaching course this is the most popular option. My course combines sleep education with unlimited support and guidance and is guaranteed to improve your sleep. I will teach you and help you implement new CBTI techniques over a period of eight weeks. This gives you time to build sleep confidence and notice results without feeling overwhelmed. You can get the course and start right now at insomniacoach.com forward slash online. I also offer a phone coaching package where we start with a one hour call. This can be voice only or video, your choice, 
and we come up with an initial two-week plan that will have you implementing CBTI techniques that will lead to long-term improvements in your sleep. You get unlimited email-based support and guidance for two weeks after the call, along with a half-hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>